Welcome to the Habibi Life Podcast, where we share practical advice to help you live an abundant life. Our goal is to help you fall in love with yourself by providing information and inspiration to help you reach your highest and your healthiest potential. This is episode 25, Spring Clean Your Spirit. I know what you're thinking. This is supposed to be practical advice for an abundant life. And what's so practical about spring cleaning your spirit? If spirit is this esoteric idea that means something different to any number of humans, how in the world can one spring clean it? To answer that, you'll have to keep listening. For the purposes of this podcast, let's consider spirit the very core of your being. Let's say that spirit is the thing that makes you, you. From the way you move through the everyday and routine to the way you respond to the unexpected, the root of your reactions and reflections emanate from your spirit. And each time you repeat those same reactions and reflections to events in your life, you build patterns from your spirit to the most superficial parts of your being, from your expressions to your actions. Now, there's a good chance that some of the patterns you've created aren't exactly beneficial to your overall quality of life. Beyond what we eat and how we move, the way we absorb stimulus in our environment can also have an impact on our health and vitality. The creation and maintenance of detrimental patterns can leave us feeling stagnant, much like one would in a cluttered space. And just as you would in a physical area, it can become necessary to clear out some of those patterns to make space for a better and more peaceful way of being. Spring cleaning your spirit is no different from spring cleaning anything else. It's not a good idea to toss everything out in one fell swoop in the quest to make space. Instead, it's best to take things one step at a time. It's also impractical to think that such a thing can be done quickly and efficiently. The best course is to allot a conscious amount of time each day or week or whenever is best for you to consider each step. And keep in mind that once you've completed your cleaning efforts, everything will not just magically stay the same. Just like a physical space, your endeavors to break detrimental patterns must be updated and maintained as you continue to evolve. So let's break this thing down into steps and see if we can make a little space. Step one, identify the obvious. If you were clearing out a cluttered room, The first step would be to identify the things that obviously need to go. Maybe there's a pile of mail on a surface somewhere that mostly contains junk or outdated documents. It would make sense to start with that pile of paper and quickly sort through what needs to stay and what needs to go. Toss out the obvious stuff and shred the sensitive stuff. While this first step sounds simple, it might actually be the most complicated. The thing we choose first, while the most obvious on the surface, may end up taking up the most time. That's because we're just getting started. So we might have to be more careful about how we identify, sort, 
and discard each thing we encounter. The same is true for identifying the most obvious thing that you'd like to address at your core. Let's say it's something easy to pinpoint, like reacting negatively to a person in your life. Perhaps there is someone who, no matter how much you try to insulate yourself, always manages to get you riled up. On the surface, it might seem easy to explore options like avoiding or simply ignoring that person. But what if that person is a family member that actually needs to have contact with you? What if that person is a significant other? What if that person is your boss or someone that you actually have to interact with on a regular basis in a professional environment? This means you'll actually have to sort through what is necessary and what is not when you deal with that person. There's a very good chance that the negative part of your interactions is outside the parameter of your fundamental needs. Often, an environmental stressor can manifest simply because there's ample time for it to develop. So if a conversation with the antagonizing entity has exceeded the necessary time constraints, there's suddenly room for it to lean in a negative direction. Making yourself aware of the time and opportunity for an interaction to go sideways can help you better navigate it. Become clear and conscious about what you need to say and do in any given encounter with this person and remove yourself as soon as that task is completed. Do this in much the same way you would be clear about what paperwork would be necessary to keep and what you can discard without any dire consequences. This same principle can be applied to any of the obviously detrimental patterns in your life. Sort through what is necessary and what is not and adjust accordingly. Keep that in mind the first time or even the first few hundred times things might not go as smooth as you want. But you are in the process of developing a habit that will help bring you some peace to your spirit and maybe make space for things that actually make you happy. This means you'll need to keep at it until eventually it becomes effortless. Step two, identify the root cause. Now you'd think this would be step one, but if we start with trying to identify the root cause of anything, we'd be here until we drew our last breath. That's because the cerebral stuff can be dragged out for all eternity. And meanwhile, the thing that we fail to do is actually act. So now that you're in the motion and doing the things with step one, you can begin to incorporate step two. Let's go back to the room. How did it get so cluttered? It certainly didn't become that way overnight. As you reinforce the habit of continually shoving things into that room, you may have been doing something similar at the very core of your being. You may have been avoiding things that you don't want to address and shoving them into a space where you don't have to see them in the hopes of maybe addressing them at a later date, as in never. Avoidant behavior is often a survival or defense mechanism. It's a way of protecting ourselves from unpleasantness. The problem with avoided behavior is that eventually the thing that we've been avoiding resurfaces in the most inconvenient way, like in the manifestation of a room that's been filled to the hilt with all manner of clutter, 
and unpleasantness. So while you're in the process of tackling the most obvious parts of a detrimental pattern, also consider how the pattern was able to develop in the first place. Explore the beginning of the pattern and the steps you took to reinforce it. If we go back to navigating interactions with a stressful person, perhaps you'll find the first few times that person took a dig at you, you tried to laugh it off or pretend that it didn't affect you in a negative way. That reaction may have emboldened this person to not only continue the behavior, but perhaps even escalate it. And as time passed, both the person's behavior and your reaction to it became second nature. As you explore this root cause, you may come to find you bear some responsibility in the way things developed. While someone's negative behavior is their responsibility, the way you react to it is yours. If you are permissive about the way a stressful person treats you, they will never be incentivized to behave in any other way. Identifying the root cause of a pattern and taking ownership of your part in developing that pattern can help you clear the way to shifting into a more positive direction. Keep in mind that it may take more than just deep thought on your part to complete this step. You may need to journal so that you can more easily identify and follow your thoughts to a satisfying conclusion. No matter how you choose to execute this step, show yourself patience and grace along the way. It's easy to fall into a pattern of blame and shame, but neither practice is beneficial in the long run. So take your time and know that this step will take as long as it takes and that is not a reflection on you or your value. Step three, keep only what you need. Setting aside the most extreme examples, it's a good bet to assume that no habits are absolutely good or absolutely bad. Most of them fall somewhere on a spectrum, which is why so many of us manage to keep them for long periods of time without really disrupting the day-to-day -day routines of our lives. So instead of looking at a pattern through the most extreme lens, it's a good idea to assess it and determine what you can learn from it and how you can modify it to make it less detrimental. Sometimes, when we identify a bad habit, we become so obsessed with trying to destroy or replace it that we don't stop to consider how it came to exist in the first place and what we can learn from it. Let's go back to the room. As you move through it and tackle each task, some more obvious than others, there's a chance that you're also sorting through what you need to or would like to keep. If we look at the entire room as a so-called bad habit and simply emptied it out and discarded everything inside it, there's a chance that we'd also throw out something valuable. The same is true for a pattern. Let's revisit the stressful person situation. If you decide to simply toss out that person and whatever circumstance they came with, you run the risk of running into similar humans in perhaps even more restrictive circumstances. That's because you never took the time to identify the root cause of that pattern, never took responsibility for your part in it, and never took the time to learn from it. 
take the lessons from every situation and grow from them. That way, the next time you come across a similar person or a similar situation, you'll be better equipped to deal with it in a way that protects your peace. Step four, ask for help. This can be a tough one because when we decide to do a spring cleaning of any kind, whether it's a room or our spirit, we run the risk of being judged. This fear is natural, but it should not be enough to deter you. Asking for help does not mean that you are weak or incapable. It can give you the time, space, and accountability that you need to actually see your endeavor through to the end. First, consider the best person or persons for the job. When you're trying to address a pattern, it's not a good idea to work with a person who either has the same patterns or doesn't understand the one you're working on. So choose someone who can hold space for you, help you navigate in a realistic and responsible way, and hold you accountable in the event of a misstep. Because let's face it, there will be missteps. When you set the intention to do something like spring cleaning your spirit, you go in with the knowledge that the journey will not be linear. In addition to missteps, prepare for tantrums, tears, and the overwhelming urge to just give up and throw the whole effort away. But remember what I said about the room. What if, buried under all that paperwork and all those discarded things, there is something of real value to uncover. On the subject of patterns, the value is in the lesson. And until we learn it, we are doomed to repeat it again and again and again. And really, who has time for that? So, start with the obvious stuff. Identify the root cause. Keep only what you need and ask for help. Spring cleaning any part of your life can have lasting rewards and uncover some benefits that you never thought possible. Take the time to make the space and endeavor to reach your highest and your healthiest potential. We hope you found this information helpful. If you'd like to learn more, please download the latest issue of Habibi Life magazine. You can find it on HabibiBody.com, HabibiBodySport.com, and ShahadaKareem.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us when we return for the next episode.